So they could cut Jarrett Stidham this offseason and save $5 million in cap space. And I was like, well, that changes everything. I was like, <laughs> there, there's no reason you have to keep Jarrett Stidham. If you can say, cut him and save $5 million, you can easily bring in another quarterback that's just as good, if not better than Stidham. And there's guys that are scheduled to become free agents like Jameis Winston. He had a $4.5 million cap hit last year. So if you could get him to agree to a similar deal this year, you, in my opinion, you would be getting an upgrade at quarterback and your salary cap, you know, you would be getting cap relief. Like it wouldn't be creating more of a cap mess. It'd be giving you a little bit of help. Hey there, everybody. Welcome into the show. Ryan O'Leary here, along with my good friend, John Heath. It's the Broncos Wire podcast, which is powered by the USA Today Network. John is the managing editor for the Broncos Wire uh, we appreciate you hopping on board. Hope you stick around throughout the offseason as we head on to 2024 officially, John. Yeah, you could find us wherever you get your podcasts. Again, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. John, how you doing this week? I'm doing pretty decent, Ryan. This, the season's finally over. Can watch some playoffs just as a complete neutral. Obviously, we <laughs> would have preferred the Broncos to be in the playoffs, but it is kind of relaxing to just sit back and watch football and not have to do any work related to it so in a way I'm kind of ready for the offseason to be here and, and get a little bit of a break well it's been a little bit of a quiet start too for the Broncos right because they haven't really well while other teams are firing their coaches you know Bill Belichick and the Patriots all that stuff Tennessee with that surprising news that they fire Mike Vrabel Pete Carroll and the Seahawks right like that's been the big yeah it's been a whirlwind yeah but not the Broncos. They've been pretty yeah. quiet. Which means either like a week or two weeks, everything's going to go crazy, <laughs> yeah. or they're just sticking with their coaches, and the the person like the player moves will happen later in March. So yeah, we might have a quiet few weeks here coming up for the Broncos. Well, one thing we're we're hoping the Broncos give us a little bit of you know maybe maybe help us forecast what's going to happen as quarterback. Right. What should they do at quarterback now, John, that we know Jared Stidham stinks, right? It's not that I've been trying to tell everybody this since they signed him during the tampering window last year. I've just said, this guy's not that good. Uh, and okay, John. So now we've, we've seen it, right? He's played two games. It, it looked okay, I guess, his first start, but then he plays a real defense in the, in the Raiders. That first start was against the Chargers, right? Played a bad defense. Yeah. Looked okay at times. Played that Raiders defense where he was just under constant pressure. It didn't look as good, in my opinion. Uh, so, what now, John? What do they do at quarterback now? Uh, they're feeding us a bunch of baloney that they're still open to Russell Wilson returning, which we'll get to here in a minute. Uh, what do you think? What do you think the plan is at quarterback now that we've seen Jared Stidham for a couple weeks? Yeah, Sean Payton said when they made the switch, they kept claiming that it was not about Wilson's contract and it was a football decision and that he thought, uh, Jarrett Stidham would provide the offense a spark. And you were like, yeah, no, that's a lie. And I was like, well, no, <laughs> Sean Payton might think he fits his offense better and blah, blah, blah. And that obviously didn't happen because they scored 16 points in his first game, 17 points in his good game. Like, honestly, a lot of the offense's problems that they had under Russell Wilson, like it, it was very similar under Stidham. Like they're not the exact same quarterback, but he wants in like a clear or obvious upgrade. So they don't really, to me, the only real differences between them, uh, like I, I guess there are ways you could say Russell Wilson's better because like he has a better deep ball and he's more um, 
experience. But in some ways, I think Stidham also has a couple of things that he's a little bit better, like standing in the pocket and, and throwing over the middle of the field. So they're different QBs, but I think the biggest thing that separates them is just salary. And I think it just really came down to if Russell Wilson got hurt, we're on the hook for 2025. Jarrett Stidham is a whole lot cheaper, and we might be moving on from Russell Wilson this offseason. Stidham's still under contract for next year, and he's a whole lot cheaper than Wilson. So we might keep him and draft someone. And so if we're going to do that, let's take a look at Stidham these last two games. That's just kind of what I think their thought process was. But as you said, Stidham did not look any good. And and I have this like quarterback, not theory, but like idea of what they could do this offseason. Do you want to jump into that now, Ryan? Absolutely. Let's give it to me. Yeah. So I kind of accidentally thought of this this week when I was writing about Jarrett Stidham. I love when that feature. happens, John. Go ahead. Yeah. I was just kind of, I knew in my head that his salary cap hit was $7 million. So that was just like the number that was in my mind. So I was just assuming like, okay, he has a $7 million cap hit. If they cut him, they're not going to eat $7 million in uh, cap space when they're already in such cap trouble. And so, so that's just what I was thinking. But then I went on one of the websites where that breakdown player contracts, and I saw his cap hit is $7 million, but if they cut him, the dead money is only $2 million. So they could cut Jarrett Stidham this offseason and save $5 million in cap space. And I was like, well, that changes everything. I was like, <laughs> there, there's no reason you have to keep Jarrett Stidham. If you can say, cut him and save $5 million, you can easily bring in another quarterback that's just as good, if not better than Stidham. And there's guys that are scheduled to become free agents like Jameis Winston. He had a $4.5 million cap hit last year. So if you could get him to agree to a similar deal this year, you, in my opinion, you would be getting an upgrade at quarterback and your salary cap, you know, you would be getting cap relief. Like it wouldn't be creating more of a cap mess. It'd be giving you a little bit of help, not a ton, but it'll be some. And, and like Jameis Winston, I know a lot of Broncos fans would be very angry about that and be like, oh, he had 30 interceptions the last time he started. And that's true. But he also more recently went five and two as a starter under Sean Payton. He's someone Sean Payton is familiar with. Like I mentioned, he's not very expensive. At least he wants it this past season. And it's not like you'd be a long-term solution. You can sign Jameis Winston in theory for less than Jarrett Stidham costs. And Winston is someone who's had success with Sean Payton. Then you can use your 12th overall pick on a rookie quarterback, or you can even trade up to get a quarterback higher in the draft. You have that quarterback, learn under Jameis Winston, and you go from there. So that's kind of like I, – I was not thinking that at all. I was just thinking, you know, they're going to go into 2024 with Jarrett Stidham and they're probably going to draft someone and go from there. And perhaps that is still what they're going to do. But when I saw that cutting him saves cap space and saves $5 million, which you could get another veteran quarterback for that much or less than that, I was like, oh, man. I would just cut Stidham, get someone like Jameis Winston or or maybe even Gardner Minshew. And again, I know these names are not going to excite people, but they're veteran experienced guys who I personally think are better than Stidham. And if you can get them for comparable or even less than what Stidham costs, I would definitely do that. Draft a QB and go from there. So what do you think about that, Ryan? I did not put that in the notes because I wanted to kind of surprise you with that and see how you felt about it. Yeah, you know, you know, I like to prepare all my takes, John. So now I'm, I'm a little. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, okay, so I love this take because I was ranting about them. 
I, I thought it was stupid that they signed Stidham during the tampering window and gave him a good contract and all that. <laughs> so this them cutting him after one year would be excellent for my take. So I would root for this as well. I agree with you, right? We saw we saw Stidham. He he is what he is. I think he's a middle tier backup quarterback, and that's fine. Uh, but if you're looking for a bridge guy for next year and it's not Russell Wilson, then yes, Jameis Winston upgrade. Tyrod Taylor up. You know what I mean? Like Jimmy Garoppolo. Like there's going to be better options out there than rolling out there with Jared Stidham as your quote unquote bridge quarterback to the next guy. So yeah, I would. I'd be in for that. I think Jameis Winston's an interesting one. Uh, and he is connected to Sean Payton. Is Jimmy Garoppolo connected to Payton too? Uh, I don't know. Uh, they that. went to the same school. They went to the same school. Anything at went all. Went to the same school. And he talked about him a little bit when he was an analyst. He would talk about Garoppolo kind of in a, in a positive light, I remember. He, he wouldn't necessarily crap all over Jimmy, even though that's kind of easy to do. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I think, I think a player like that, cutting Jared Stidham, John, sign me up. Sign me up, man. I, I got nothing <laughs> negative to say about that. I got nothing negative to say. I, I think that all makes perfect sense. I should also say that we're having this conversation assuming that the Broncos are going to cut Russell Wilson in March before his 2025 salary becomes guaranteed. And I don't know if you want to jump into that whole Wilson situation now from their end of season press conference. Sounds good. I mean, this is something that annoyed me from that, <laughs> that press conference annoyed me in a lot of different ways. And you know me, my number one like frustration with Sean Payton and the Broncos this year, John, has been just them lying to us, you know, insulting our intelligence. And just wasn't there so much of that in this end of season presser? Like there wasn't a lot of meat in this presser that a lot of it was kind of just kind of pushed away. Like we'll deal with that later. Uh, we'll we'll talk about that later. We're, we don't know right now. A lot of that, but also just like a lot of just complete BS. Like yes, they said that the door is open on Russ, right? They said basically they're going to consider him in 2024 after, and now I'm going to interject, after benching him for really no re- reason uh, for a player with no NFL chops and Jarrett Stidham. And yeah, I don't think there's any effing chance to go back to Russell Wilson after all that, right? At all. And a couple other things that came out of the presser that I thought resonated with me, at least. George Payton being safe as G- at GM. We had talked about him potentially John losing his job because hiring Nathaniel Hackett and then signing and well, trading for and signing Russell Wilson when you're going to cut him a couple of years later is not good uh, for, for George Payton. But it sounds like now his job has changed, right? He is now the guy standing in front of Sean Payton wearing the bulletproof vest. You know what I mean? Like he's the guy that gets to be the face of the Russell Wilson ultimatum drama while Sean Payton sits at the podium and goes, you know, I'm not privy to that. You could go ask George, you know, that's now George Payton's role. And I think it makes sense to me. Like he's now the human shield for Sean Payton. And yes, I agree. They work in tandem and, and and probably in lockstep, but it's becoming more and more clear as we talked a couple weeks ago, or maybe last week that it's the head coach. That's kind of got the final say now. And George Payton is in line with him and they're in lockstep. Uh, and why fire the current GM when the current GM is willing to play ball with Sean Payton and what he wants, right? So I think that's why George Payton's job is ultimately safe. I don't know if you want to jump in here. I think he's the uh, he's the shield. He's the human shield for Sean Payton, and that's now yeah, George's we're job. Really, we're throwing around accusations, but I think it's fair to feel like that is the case, that Payton is kind of the, the fall guy, the guy that does the dirty work. When I say Peyton, I mean George Peyton, when Sean Peyton is the one that it seems like actually has the final say 
And it seems like someone that is such a control freak would have knowledge about the negotiations that are going on with their starting quarterback in the middle of the season. It, you would guess that he would have knowledge of that. But the, like you said, in their end of season press conference, all three of them, Greg Penner, the owner and CEO, Sean Payton, the coach, and George Payton, the GM, they all claimed that Sean Payton was focused on the football. Meanwhile, George Payton independently was doing contract negotiations with Wilson's agent. They weren't able to get their good faith negotiations. They couldn't get anything done. And then independent of all that, week later, Sean Payton made a football decision to bench (laughs) Russell Wilson unrelated to those negotiations that he supposedly was not even aware of. I don't know that they went so far as aware of it. Basically, he had no hand in them, which in a way is true because he's not the one going to Russell Wilson's agent, but he probably has a knowledge of what's going on. He's probably kept in the loop. So yeah, it it is it is kind of like, come on guys, really? It, it is kind of frustrating. And again, like we're just making assumptions, throwing out accusations, but it does feel like, uh, like you said, George Payton, is the one that takes the fall for this publicly kind of shields Sean Payton when Sean Payton probably was involved, at least indirectly, like giving directions or input or whatever, even if he was not directly involved with the negotiations with uh, Russell Wilson's agent. And uh, George Payton danced around. He was asked multiple times if he threatened to bench Russell Wilson if he did not change his contract. And George Payton would not, emphatically say no we did not threaten him he kept dancing around it saying they made good faith negotiations and out of respect for the parties involved he was not going to reveal the details and i i took that a couple ways i thought it like i I just assumed that basically he doesn't want to admit that yes even if it was like a subtle threat like not outright saying it yes we basically did threat him but and i wrote about that on broncos wire and someone sent me a very interesting email and they were like you know russell or george payton could have just not wanted to say russell wilson lied and fracture that relationship even more and maybe hurt trade value and i was like you know what I honestly did not think about the perspective. I don't think that's the case, but I guess if you want to be really generous to George Payton, you could you could say, you know, maybe Russell Wilson is the one that was lying and the Broncos never did threaten and George Payton wants to just going to go out publicly and say, "No, Russ is a liar. That never happened." So, I there's all kinds of different ways you could look at it because we don't know all the details and because, you know, one side's leaking stuff, the other side is kind of dancing around stuff we can't really get a straight answer and know exactly what went down. But I do think with all this drama and all that happened, it's so hard to picture a scenario where Wilson comes back next season. But with that being said, like you mentioned, both Sean Payton and George Payton said it's a possibility that he could come back in 2024. George Payton said the door was open and Payton even said that he spoke with Wilson and Wilson was open to coming back, which That is fascinating. Like after what the Broncos did to him and after seemingly Wilson being very frustrated and and him or his agent leaking all this information, he's open to coming back. That's really strange to me. But I mean, perhaps it's true. I don't know. I think the Broncos saying he might come back next year. I think there's a couple ways you could look at it. Either one, they really mean it. Or either two, they don't want to say, yeah, we're cutting him and just tank any trade value that he might have. 
or three, they're like, yeah, we might bring him back. And then in parentheses, unspoken is if he does such and such, which presumably would be take a massive pay cut. And again, I just can't see Russell Wilson doing that because he didn't he didn't want to not even take a pay cut during the season. He just didn't want to change his injury guarantee. The, the Broncos wanted to push it back. And if Wilson is not going to do that during the season, why do they think during the offseason he would take a massive pay cut? And again, I'm just I'm just speculating the different possibilities of the ways we can interpret them saying he might be back. I just feel like Wilson has all kinds of, he has all the leverage. If the Broncos cut him or if he's with the Broncos, he's still going to get paid that money. So if he's cut, it doesn't really matter. The only way that I think maybe he would want to stay in Denver unrelated to like football reasons is he has a house in Denver. His kids go to school in in Denver area. And so maybe he's so settled in, he's kind of getting later in his career. Maybe he doesn't want to move them again, you know, buy another house, put his kids in another school. So maybe that could be a factor. And maybe he talked with George Payton and like said something like that. And Payton's like, yeah, Russ wants to come back too. And Again, I, I'm just making all kinds of assumptions here. All, all we can do is speculate because we don't know all the details. But I'm, I'm rambling here, Ryan. But long story short, they say he could be back, but I just don't see how that happens. Absolutely not. I laughed out loud during that part of the presser. Honestly, I did. And it goes back to what you were saying uh, earlier about George Payton dancing around those questions about the ultimatum and you know, you know, threatening to bench him. Russell Wilson and his team didn't only leak that info. Russell, again, I've said this right on the pod, stood in the locker room in front of reporters and told us. So, yeah, it's just, how could you not take that for face value? So, uh, yeah, that's just another example of the team not being straight with us. Uh, I don't think Russell Wilson is a a real, it's just a take, right? It's just a gut feeling. I don't think he's a real uh, candidate to be back with the Broncos after the way this went down and this ended. Uh, Another thing that was really, really fascinating, uh, I think maybe the most interesting nugget coming out of the pressers, John, uh, and it includes George Payton again, is he said, quote, we won't be in on the first wave of free agency like we were last year. You can't do that every year. We'll be very strategic and very specific on what positions and what players we try to sign. (sighs) Okay, so that that is something, right? The week after the season, you're telling your fans, we're not going after the top free agents. Don't expect it. We're, we're not going to be in on the first wave of free agency. He literally says that to you. It's like, wow. Uh, and he's using the most annoying excuse ever that GMs give you. And that's the salary cap, right? And I know the Broncos are projected to be over the cap. They might have to cut Russell Wilson, eat a bunch of that money. They could do it up front. There's all these different ways they can do it. I get it. But I just think, John... We're all smarter than that. We all know that you could sign a player in free agency in the first wave in the tampering window if you wanted to and figure out the cap. You can do it. I guarantee you can do it. George Payton, get your calculator out and figure it out. It's not that difficult. I'm not smart enough to do it, but believe me, I know you can. And I know GMs, John, use that as an excuse all the time when they just want to reset the books. And that's what Denver wants to do. But again, I find it not disingenuous for them to tell us, Hey guys, you know, the salary cap is, we got to stay under the cap. We got to be cap compliant. And uh, yeah, don't expect us to make any big moves in free agency. We just, we, you know, we got to get under that cap. It's like a bunch of BS. 
So that was probably the thing that got me the most pissed off after the, the, the presser job. But what'd you think about that? And honestly, Ryan, I didn't have a problem with it at all because the cap is the cap. And obviously there are ways to manipulate it. And the Broncos are going to have to do that this offseason. But they are 20 something million over it before they could even sign anyone. They're going to have to make a lot of stuff happen just to get to the cap and below the cap. And then you, you're like, they can structure deals where they backload a contract. And in year one, it's just like basically like, uh, like a, close to a veteran minimum or something, and then spread out like a signing bonus over five or six years or whatever. So th- there are ways to manipulate it, like you said. But if you're up against the cap, you're up against the cap. They can't, I think it's fair. Last year, they went out, they signed Mike McGlinchey to a huge deal, they signed Ben Powers to a huge deal. Um, forgetting someone else that had a significant contract. It's true that they cannot do that. They cannot go sign three big contracts right off the bat. They just, they can afford it like cash wise, their owners are super rich, rich, but cap wise, they can't afford to do that because they're in such a pinch and they, one, Russell Wilson is complicating it, but two, it's just, they're, they're just, they've spent, or they've spent more cap wise next season than the cap will be next year. And so there's, there's a bunch of in-house free agents, a couple of them. I don't think they're going to be able to sign Uh, during his presser. George Payton mentioned that they view drew Sanders as a starter in the NFL. He's an inside linebacker. And that's a fascinating comment because he barely played any uh, inside linebacker for the Broncos, but Josie Jewell is about to become a free agent. So I think that is kind of a pre like, a sign like, hey, we might lose Josie Jewell in free agency, but that's okay because we drew view Drew Sanders as a starter in this league. And the, he said the exact same thing about their seventh round, uh, or maybe it was a sixth round pick, a late round pick center. He was inactive for every single game this year. And George Payton said, we view him as a starter in this league. <laughs> and by the way, their center, Lloyd Cushenberry, is about to become a free agent and he's expected to get a huge deal. So I think the Broncos are already preparing. I think they're like, we're not going to be able to resign all our in-house guys because we probably have to cut people and change contracts just to get below the cap. And then once we're, you know, once we're a million below the cap, that doesn't mean we can sign 20 million worth of free agents. Then we'll be 19 million over the cap again. So I, I think, I don't think it was a disingenuous comment from George Payton. I think it's just reality for the Broncos. They're in a cap mess so they can't make a big, a bunch of big splashes this year. I think they this is the offseason to trade Jerry Judy. Maybe they should have done it last year or the year before because now that he's entering the final year of his contract, it might even be harder to find suitors. But if they trade him, his entire fifth-year option contract, which is almost like $13 million, that goes to his new team. So that clears up a lot. Tim Patrick, like I love Tim Patrick and I feel terrible for him, but he's coming off back-to-back injuries. He's getting older. He has, they can save like 10 million if they cut him. I think that's definitely going to happen. And then maybe they'll re-sign him to like a veteran minimum contract. I don't, I don't know if he would come back or not, but there's no way he's coming back on his current contract. And even like someone like Garrett Bowles, it would be kind of crazy and they'd have to get a new left tackle, which isn't easy to do. But if they cut him, they could save like $16 million. And then their defensive lineman, DJ Jones, like he's a very good player, but they need cap space. And if they cut him, that would free up $10 million. So there's ways that, you know, they can make tough decisions, 
to get under the cap. But then that doesn't mean you just have 20 million available to go make a bunch of splashes. If, if you like their splashes are keeping, uh, you know, Garrett Bowles and keeping DJ Jones, like that's their splashes last year because the last or this year it would be because the last few years they've just kind of kicked the cap down the road. And now if Russell Wilson worked out, and, you know, the Broncos, like, barely missed out on the playoffs this year. We'd be like, you know, the Broncos don't have to make big splashes because they've got their franchise quarterback. They just made the playoffs. We're going into next year confident in them. We've got this good core. Make a couple restructures, maybe trade Jerry Judy, extend some in-house guys, and we're set. But I think the Wilson situation kind of messes with everything because now you're back to square one at quarterback and the quarterback that we're assuming is not going to be on the roster is eating a ton of dead money and again it's it's not about the cash like they have the cash it's just the nfl has a set salary cap and right now they're projected to be way over it so they they got to do stuff to get under it and then once they do they're not going to have cap space to make splashes so like i'm rambling again ryan but i (laughs) i want to like it's disappointing that they're not going to make splashes in free agency, but to me, it's not really surprising because they don't have the cap space to do it. No, I, I mean, I hear that. I think, you know, 24 million over the cap is where they're at, John, right? Um, it's not, it's not that bad. Like teams have, I think the Saints were like a hundred under Sean yeah, Payton. But the, the Saints, uh, were the Saints million are like over. the worst but, case scenario. They don't want to be like the absolute worst case scenario. Yeah, that's true. But I, I just think you know you can you can sign a guy in free agency and structure that new contract in a way that gives you cap relief this year. It's just there's a million ways you can do it. You just laid out a bunch of ways they could save cap space. Like they could get under the cap quickly. Uh, but yeah, you have to you have to release guys. You have to restructure guys, and you have to let guys go. Josie Jewell might be hard to let a guy like that go. Tim Patrick might be hard to let a guy like that, but you got to do it. Jerry Judy won't be hard at all to let a guy like that go, right? Like, this is what you got to do. But okay. So, uh, you know, you are the voice of reason on this podcast. I'll take your word for it. That's just something that is a a pet peeve of mine with GMs coming out this early and saying, guys, we can't, we can't, we can't go get a good player. Sorry, we can't because, you know, the cap. Well, he the did cap. say they would be very measured, very selective. So maybe there'll be like one particular guy that, and, and maybe it'll be someone that falls into like the second wave and they're a good player. They just happen to fall into the second wave and then they're a little cheaper because other teams have spent their money already signed that. So they're, they're going to be calculated, obviously. So I, he's, it's not like he said, we're not going to do anything in free agency. It's just don't expect us to make big three big splashes right off the bat, just like last year, I think is the point he was trying to make. Yeah, He's saying we're going to live on the fringes, right? Fringes of the <laughs> roster. Um, something like that. I like to paraphrase. I like to dr- over dramatic, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, but that's fine. Uh, we'll see what happens. But yeah, I thought that was, that was wild to co- just come out and tell the, the fan base. We won't be in on the first wave of free agency. Uh, that's, that's tough to hear when you're a, your team that's getting ready to reset. We don't even know who the quarterback is. John, do you think they're going quarterback? They picked 12th overall in the draft. Is that where they're going? A lot of people yeah, are mocking well, quarterbacks to the, to the Broncos. I would love for them to get a quarterback that Sean Payton likes and, and wants to develop, but uh, I'm worried that all the best ones are going to be gone at 12. Like I really like Jaden Daniels, and I thought he was someone that would fall – 
maybe like around where the Broncos are, but now like draft wire is doing mock drafts that has him going number one overall. And maybe that won't happen, but I definitely think he's going to end up being viewed as top three right up there with Caleb Williams and Drake may. So then after that, you get down to like Bo Nix and a lot of Broncos fans like him. I I'm not super enthused about him. And maybe it's in part because I don't love when QBs stay in college for like five seasons. I don't know. I, I by no means am I like a QB guru, but Bo Nix doesn't really get me excited. And then Penix, he just really struggled in that national championship game. I think that made everyone kind of cool on him a little bit. And then JJ McCarthy, I have no interest in at all. Me either. But so I, I don't know. Like if they could move up a couple spots and get someone like Jaden Daniels. I'd be all about that. And if Penix falls to 12 and Sean Payton's like, yeah, that national championship did not go well for him, but I love his tools. I love his traits. He's exactly what I'm looking for in a quarterback. I'm going to mentor him. I, you know, I'm going to fix the flaws that he has. And, you know, he is a perfect quarterback. It like fits everything. If Sean Payton like feels that way, like I trust him, like he's a QB guru. He was a quarterback's coach for so many years and like people always associate him with Drew Brees, but I've said before, he has won and has had success with plenty of other quarterbacks. And even Russell Wilson, it wasn't good enough, but Russell Wilson's numbers this year are no comparison to last year. Like Russell Wilson had a huge bounce back year, and I think Sean Payton deserves a lot of credit for that. So if anybody is going to pick a quarterback and me have confidence in them to get it right, it's Sean Payton. So if there's someone that he really likes – I'll take his word for it. But me personally, I don't know if there's anybody that's going to be there at 12 that I would be really excited about. Yeah, it feels like some of the airs come out of the balloon um, for the quarterbacks that could be available at 12. You mentioned Penix. Uh, you know, he definitely did struggle. It didn't look great. Bo Nix, he's, he, didn't he play at Auburn first and then went on to Oregon? Is that yep, correct? Yep. Okay, so quarterbacks, like you said, John, that stay in college for a while but also move to another program to kind of get their draft stock to write to raise, especially a program like Oregon is a little bit red flaggy to me. Uh, yeah. So I think once you get outside of Jaden Daniels, Caleb Williams, Drake may it gets a little crap shooty. It feels so uh, we'll just have to wait and see, but you know, fans hoping the Broncos select a quarterback at number 12. Uh, I don't think it's set in stone, right? They, there's a lot of different ways they could go with that pick for sure. I'll just throw this at you, Ryan, because it's something that's kind of been going around on Broncos Twitter. Uh, assuming that like one of the top, like number one overall, number two overall, whatever it is, assuming whoever that quarterback is, if, you know, well, I mean, I guess there's, you you have to, you have to take a huge risk. Basically, would you include like trading I don't know, three first round picks, whatever it would take, and Pat Sertan for the Broncos to go up and get a quarterback at one or two, whatever it is, like Drake May, Caleb Williams, uh, you know, maybe even Jaden Daniels if they absolutely love him. You know, someone that Sean Payton is like, I love this quarterback. He's a franchise quarterback. He's exactly what I want. We have to go get him. And for the next decade, we're set. But to do that, we got to give up Pat Sertan. Is that something that you would be okay with them entertaining? Pat Sertan and multiple first round picks. Yeah. No, <laughs> no, I don't think I could do that because you just don't. These, these you college don't, quarterbacks. It's too much unknown. They're such a, yeah, they're a crapshoot. Like Michael yeah. Pettix might be better than Jaden Daniels. We don't know. Yeah. You don't know until you get that guy in the NFL arena. You know what I mean? I, you don't know. And everybody yeah, was so I, sure 
Bryce Young was the guy over C.J. Stroud. You put him in the NFL arena, and you know immediately that Stroud's the guy. And you just don't know that until you get there, right? So yeah. and look at what I, Carolina I, gave up to get up to number one and get Young yeah, to get it rough. wrong. <laughs> yeah, so you don't want to be that team. I, I said on Twitter, I was like, if you knew that Caleb Williams or Drake Mayer, whoever it was, if you knew they were going to be the next Peyton Manning or you knew they were going to be the next Patrick Mahomes, yes, you trade Pat Sertan for him. Because you, you have to have a franchise quarterback. And if you're getting Peyton Manning or Patrick Mahomes, like, yeah, we love Pat Sertan, but it's way more important to have a franchise quarterback for a decade plus than a franchise cornerback for a decade plus. The problem is, like you're saying, we don't know emphatically that one of these guys is going to be that guy and that the Broncos would trade up for the right one. So I, I think I agree with you that there's too much uncertainty to trade a known commodity like Sertan. But could they move up like if, say, Jaden Daniels does fall down to like, I don't know, seven or eight or something, could they do a trade not involving Sertan, just like picks? And, you know, maybe some players that are not Sertan's level, like, yeah, I think I would entertain that. But if it takes Sertan to go all the way up to the very top, I think I agree that I wouldn't love doing that just because there's too much unknown. Well, let me ask you this, John, while we're while we're spitballing here. This is fun. This is what the offseason is all about, right? Uh, remember when the Broncos picked Patrick Sertan? Who was on the board? when they picked- <laughs> Justin Field. Okay. What if you could keep Pat Sertan? Keep your first round pick this year and trade a second and, you know, maybe your second rounder because the Bears don't have a second round pick. They traded that for Montez Sweat. They're going to be looking to get into the second round. If they're going, we don't know if they're moving on from fields, but it feels like they are because they just fired their offensive coordinator. So it's either reset with the rookie quarterback at one overall or have Justin Fields go into year four with another offensive coordinator, you know, his third uh, in four years. Feels like they're gonna move on from him. Even Ryan Poles, very non-committal, saying, "You know, another and talk about GMs lying to us." Said something like, "Well, we we ha- we're still gathering the information on the rookie quarterbacks and fields. We'll let you know." It's like you know the information. You stop it. You've been looking at these guys, but do Broncos are they interested in that at all? Fields could be on the move. I happen to think the best landing spot for him would be the Falcons. You get Justin Fields and Bijan Robinson in the same backfield. With yeah. Drake London and Kyle Pitts, and yeah. potentially Bill Belichick as your head coach on the defensive side, and then you <laughs> wow, bring in you really some, got a master plan for that. Well, he's the favorite to go to Atlanta, and wow. then you bring in the offensive coordinator. You get the right guy to come in here and make that all work. Make it like a college style offense. Oh, Jim Harbaugh. I don't know. No, Jim Harbaugh can't have Harbaugh and Belichick. That'd be an embarrassment <laughs> of riches. But yeah, I mean, I, I think Atlanta would be really fun for the for the uh, for Fields. What about the Broncos? You don't have to give up a first-round pick to get Fields. He's an upgrade yeah. over Jared Stidham and Russell Wilson, oh, yeah. I think. Uh, do Broncos country, are they talking about that at all? Is that a thing? Oh, yeah. he He's popped up. He's a name that popped up. And I think it would be so ironic if a couple years after passing on Fields for Sertan, if they end up with both Sertan and Fields, that would just be kind of a, a funny moment. It would also be brilliant to get them both. Them. Yeah, to get both would be brilliant, though, right? Yeah, and – I personally would have no problem trading a second round pick for Justin Fields. I don't know how the Broncos would feel about that. And this year they don't have a second round pick because that was part of the uh, Sean Payton trade. But I mean, if they, if the bears would take a second round pick next year, I think the Broncos would do that. And I think the Broncos definitely should do that. But like you said, the bears probably want to get in the second round this year. So I don't know if they would go for that, but if the Broncos like, 
I don't know, trade down from 12th overall and get like a later first round pick and get a second round pick and then deal that second round pick. Like, however they wanted to go about it, if they were willing to trade a second round pick, I personally would have no problem with that because I fields he's had his struggles in the NFL, but he's still a talent. And like I was just saying, if there's anybody that I trust to get the best out of a quarterback and develop a quarterback, I think Sean Payton can do that. So me personally, I'd be fine if they went after Justin Fields. Me too. I like that player. I think he he loves football. He's a leader. He tries, you know, he he puts his all into it. It's not always perfect, but he would be a great leader for you. Um, and he'd be fun to cover. I'd be all for that for Justin Fields, but he'd be a different kind of cat for Sean Payton. It'd be a different style of quarterback for him. Um, you know, if it didn't work out with Russell Wilson, will it work out with Justin Fields? Uh, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. That's a a question for another day. Uh, John, Cortland Sutton and his 10 touchdowns, not in the Pro Bowl. Quinn Minerts as well, not in the Pro Bowl. Broncos had some guys, including Pat Sertan, as we were just talking about, Justin Simmons, Marvin Mims. Um, any thoughts on the Pro Bowl and the snubs? I know you've brought this up in the past of the show. Yeah, I think those three guys that made it were all very deserving. I was glad that Mims got in. I kind of was worried that because of the fan vote, he would not. But the coaches and players carried him. And then you mentioned it, Sutton is a snub. Sutton, like when you look at the stats of other AFC receivers, it's not surprising that he's not considered one of the top four among them. But with 10 touchdowns, you would think he would at least be like an alternate. And he's not even an alternate. So that I feel like, I feel bad for him that he's at least not listed among the alternates. And then Quinn Miners, I think it's the Broncos' biggest snub. He, I think it was the number three rated guard in the NFL by Pro Football Focus. And in the AFC, he's the number one rated guard. And of course, pro football focus is not infallible, but because uh, like offensive line stats are kind of hard to measure and like your average NFL fan, the the eye test doesn't do much for offensive linemen unless they're just like holding every play and allowing sacks every play. But Quinn Miners did not do that. So I think Miners was their biggest snub. And I think uh, honorable mention Jaquan Mc. Macmillan, he just was phenomenal. And he was actually on the ballot this year because uh, the Broncos included a slot corner. But I think just general NFL fans, they're only going to think about the outside guys. And they're only in general going to think about the guys that are leading the league in interceptions. And Macmillan only had like two. And and so I, I get that players didn't vote for him. Or excuse me, I get that fans did not vote for him. I think as he gets later in his career, kind of like Chris Harris, like early in his career, everyone in Broncos country loved him and instantly thought he was like one of the best slot corners in the NFL or early in his career, he was playing on the outside too. And it kind of took fans. And I think even kind of the league, like two or three seasons to kind of catch on. And then it was like, he was just recognized at one of the best at his position for years. And Macmillan might have kind of a similar trajectory. Uh, maybe not, you know, maybe he's not going to reach that level, but I think a lot of times when you come in, He's a, he's a second year player, but he might as well be a rookie because he only played one game last year. A lot of times it takes until the next season for like national recognition to come. So I think maybe, you know, Pro Bowl alternates, if nothing else, if he keeps playing like he did this year, I think next year maybe more honors will be coming for someone like him. And I think Quinn Miners definitely, he's going to be a Pro Bowl if he keeps playing. He's going to be a Pro Bowler if he keeps playing like this. I'm interested to see. Um, Shortly after we record this and this podcast comes out, the Associated Press is going to be releasing their all pros. And I'm interested, one, 
Sertan, Simmons, and Mims, they all got to the Pro Bowl. Do they also get all pro nods? And two, I'm really curious if Miners gets a all pro nod or even just a second team all pro nod. Because if he does, I think that that shows you everything you need to know that he should have been in the Pro Bowl. And if he doesn't, then maybe I'll relent and say, okay, he's an alternate. That's fair for right now. But <laughs> again, I think like his trajectory, he's the kind of guy that down the road, I feel like he's going to be going to the Pro Bowl basically every year. Well, you did everything you could, John, especially for Cortland Sutton, but he also minor. Sorry, right? you were out there campaigning, uh, letting people know to, to vote for these guys. I think didn't Cortland Sutton have some tweets about it as well? He's like, "Hey guys, let's get this done," but it didn't quite happen. Didn't quite happen for those guys. But um, another thing that is uh, fascinating as we head into the off season, maybe we could leave it here, John, is that teams can be. Locked into the hard knocks. Have you been watching hard knocks at all? Have you watched the Miami Dolphins one at all with Mike McDaniel? I haven't. I don't have the Max or whatever the HBO streaming is. To if I did, I would be watching it. I just don't have that. You might have to get that, John. You might have to sign up. Yeah. If if the Broncos are featured, I would definitely get it. So teams can be forced into hard knocks, and in in that they'll be asked but can't say no. That kind of thing. Uh, If they don't have a new head coach which is going to be the case for the Broncos because last time I checked, Sean Payton's not getting fired. Uh, They haven't been on the show in 10 years, check, and have not made the playoffs in at least two years, check. Uh, So the Broncos, they check all the boxes to be a team that would have to participate in hard knocks if they were asked, and that could be as soon as this training camp, right? Uh, Because now they do a training camp hard knocks and an in-season one. Uh, So what do you think? Me personally, I think Sean Payton would be all about this. He he loves this kind of stuff. Get the cameras, get him rolling, let him say some goofy stuff to people. Like, I don't know. I feel like Sean Payton would be would be into it more than maybe some. But what's your take on Broncos and potentially being on Hard Knocks, John? I would love it for us, for the fans, for content. Yeah. That'd be excellent. Yeah. We could just do a breakdown of each episode. It'd be so fun. Uh, but you know, not not guaranteed. But what do you think about that whole situation? Yeah, from an entertaining perspective and from a blogging perspective, it would be phenomenal and I would love it. I know some fans are like, I don't want, you know, giving trade secrets and an inside look at the team and, and losing the competitive advantage and oh, all that. That's like, overrated. I, I don't think that really comes into play that much. And even if it makes just the tiniest bit of difference, I know every little thing adds up. Do you really think next year the Broncos are competing for a Super Bowl? Like, no. I kind of doubt it. So I, I don't think that's going to be the thing that gets them knocked out of the playoffs is some throwaway comment made on hard knocks during the summer. So of course not. for like competitive reasons, especially this upcoming year when I don't think the Broncos are a Super Bowl contender, I'm not really worried about it. And and so selfishly from like an entertainment perspective, I'm like, yeah, I, I would love for the Broncos to be on hard knocks. Even, like the last few years, um, uh, I, I can't remember when the last one I wa- watched, but it was so like watered down, like years and years ago, it seemed like it was a lot more harsh and like you, sh- they'd show the coach, like talking to the players when the players getting cut and stuff. And it seems like over the years, it's become more and more of like a team approved production and a little bit less harsh. So mm-hmm. I think that kind of takes away from it a little bit, but it's still very cool. It's still a very cool behind the scenes look. So I, I think the Broncos have to be one of the top teams that the NFL would consider that falls under the category, like you mentioned, that uh, of a team that couldn't say no. I think right now the biggest competition in my mind is the Bears. And I think if the Bears trade, 
their number one overall pick and stick with Justin Fields and the Broncos draft a rookie, I think the Broncos with, you know, a high rookie quarterback, Sean Payton, the first year moving on from Russell Wilson, all that, I think that makes them super intriguing. But if the Bears draft like Caleb Williams, number one overall, I think there's going to be a lot of national appeal in the Bears, especially because for so many years it's been like, are the Bears going to turn it around now? Are they about to turn a corner? Are they about to turn a corner? And then if you throw like Caleb Williams into that mix, I feel like that could make the Bears a very intriguing team. So I, I personally think the Bears are the biggest competition, but if they stick with Justin Fields or if the NFL just thinks the Broncos are more interesting, I think the Broncos will be right up there in consideration. So it it's something to watch. They, it won't be announced probably for a couple months yet, but I think the Broncos are, are definitely probably a contender to be on it, and I think that would be really cool. Yeah, me too. I mean, the Bears are definitely the most interesting team heading into the draft, right? Because you got the whole Justin Fields thing, but also they have not only the number one overall pick, but number nine overall as well. They pick twice in the top 10. So they do just have a lot of ammo. They could go a lot of different ways. They could trade that number one overall pick. They could make a selection. They could trade fields. There's all kinds of different ways things can break during the draft. So I I do think the Bears are the most interesting team. But when I put them side by side with the Broncos, even if they have Caleb Williams, John, Matt Eberflus or Sean Payton? Who's more entertaining? <laughs> Have you ever seen this Matt Fair Eberflus? Point. Have you ever seen this Matt Eberflus? I mean, he is like, wow. I mean, I could paint my wall white and watch it dry. Uh, and that would be watching Matt Eberflus on HBO. Or I could watch Sean Payton, who will be talking out of the side of his mouth with a wry smile the entire time. You know what I mean? Like, oh, come on. I think pure entertainment value. It'd have to be the Broncos, even if they're not more interesting than the Bears. You know what I mean? Like, Eberflus yeah. versus Peyton, I would hope as a fan that that tips the scales for HBO, but I guess we'll just have to see. But yeah, I think you put Bears and Broncos side by side, Eberflus or Peyton, hmm, that is a giant gap in entertainment uh, value right there. And I would just love to see how Sean Peyton runs a meeting, you know, all that. Yeah. I think I think it is yeah. cool to see Mike and- McDaniel. He's like, you know, a 95-pound guy nerd with glasses, <laughs> like addressing these giant football players in the auditorium and holding their attention. I think it's really fascinating. It's fun to watch that behind the scenes stuff. You're not going to get any competitive advantage. You're just going to see how Sean Payton runs a meeting, how he interacts with the guys. That'll be really fun. So yeah, I'm, I'm hoping John for us and for the fans, that'd be great uh, if they could get hard knocks, but I think don't worry about the bears too much. They have Eberflus. He's boring. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I hope you're right about that. And I think that's a great point to bring up, uh, like a behind the scenes look at Peyton because even a couple of weeks ago, he mentioned he, he implied like he does not want to do hard knocks, but he was like, the only reason I would ever want to do hard knocks. And I'm paraphrasing him, but basically to show that he's not like an evil dictator that like what I say goes and I'm harsh and brash all the time. And, and like that, it was kind of like, you have to be witty you have to be funny you have to be entertaining but like also like lay down the law and stuff and he was like and i think i am all those things <laughs> it was like oh that was how you really feel thank sean you sean but like but no like he is he is funny he is entertaining like he's wildly entertaining some of it is you know maybe not for a good reason but it, he is entertaining so and i'm sure like with the players he's not always you know super harsh like super mean, like 
he he's a good coach. There's a reason a lot of players have liked him and a lot of players that, you know, have had such great success with him and, and spoke about how good of a coach he is. He gets respect out of players and you don't only do that from just being Mr. My way or the highway all the time. So I think it would be fascinating to get a behind the scenes look at him. And I think it might make fans look at him a little bit differently. Cause I think, General NFL fans, I think, kind of have a disdain for him because of dating back to like Bounty Gate. I think that painted him in a negative light and fairly so to an extent. But then all this Russell Wilson stuff, I, I think a lot of general NFL fans have just immediately gone kind of like picking sides and went to the Russell Wilson side. Oh, how could the Broncos do this? How could they treat him like, a, you know, what a thug Sean Payton is. And like, again, like the truth's probably somewhere in the middle for that whole thing that went down. And it's ironic now that everybody is, you know, Oh, how could this happen to Russell Wilson when last year, these same people were absolutely blasting Russell Wilson, but that, that is a tangent, a, a different conversation my point is, I think Peyton, kind of like from a general NFL fan, uh, is perceived a certain way. And I think if they were on hard knocks, that might change a little bit. So I think that's a very good point to make that. He, it would be very fascinating to get a behind-the-scenes look at how does Sean Payton run a NFL team. Yeah, just, I mean, can you just picture it like in the morning? Sean Payton gets there nice and early. The cameras are rolling. Hey, guys, come on in. Come on in the office. Kicks his feet up on the desk. Leans back with his coffee cup, you know. It's like, I think he you learned know, his lesson there. You know, no, the same thing, just like Jared Bell, right? Just like his conversation with Jared Bell. Let me tell you about Nathaniel Hackett. Yeah, uh, come on, man. Like, I just see that. I just picture Sean Payton kicking the feet on the desk, being like, "Hey, guys, I'm. I got. I got. I got some time. Come on, let's let's chat. Let's dish. You know. So yeah, it's please. Let's speak it into the universe. Like, give it to me. But uh, yeah, so. There's that uh, quick programming note. If I didn't say this earlier, I uh, just want to say, hey, thank you to uh, you, the listener, especially if you've hung out with us all season long or periodically throughout the season. We really appreciate you. Some of you might have subscribed way back when. We've been doing this pod since 2020, John, if you can believe that. Just finished our fourth season, regular season. Uh, so that's really exciting uh, to be doing this for that long. I guess you you get... What, what is, what's the saying, John? You become an expert at it if you keep doing it over and over and over again. I don't know if we're there are experts yet. But yeah, I don't think we've reached that point. Yet. I don't think we've reached expert status. But uh, I think you know we got a good thing going here, and it's because you you people are listening and in, and interacting on Twitter and letting us know how you how you feel about certain topics. We we hear all of that feedback, and we you know again we just appreciate you. And if you haven't subscribed yet or know someone who hasn't subscribed, like do that because during the off season we'll have more podcasts coming might not be every week but we'll have podcasts coming about free agency about the draft covering all things broncos so we don't want you to miss that content and you know it's also a nice thing to do you can support us by subscribing as well or getting people to subscribe so um just wanted to get that out john i think you echo that right thanks to the listeners it was a it was a fun season even though we're not talking about a playoff game right now Oh yeah. I, I endorse everything, everything you said, Ryan, thank you so much. Everyone that has listened and has liked and subscribed. If you listen and have not subscribed, please do that. Give a, a positive rating and review. Super appreciate that. And just appreciate everyone that's followed along this season. Absolutely. And, and your review can even be like, O'Leary doesn't even like the Broncos. You know, you can, <laughs> you can yell about that too, which is, you know, just, which just is give us five stars and yeah. then blast us in the written part of it. Yeah. You can say mean things about O'Leary, say nice things about John. Uh, you know, John's the voice of reason. I'm kind of the, the guy that's coming out of left field half the time, but 
Uh, hopefully we found something that works, John, and we're going to, like I said, we're going to continue throughout the offseason. Hopefully you join us. For John Heath, I'm Ryan O'Leary. We'll catch you next time.